Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revs remain unbeaten at home during the 2023 MLS regular season, but only came away with one point following a 1-1 draw in their first ever matchup against Austin FC. Thomas Chankalai scored his first two MLS goals, but Alex Ring spoiled the party uh, with a last-second goal in stoppage time to take a point for Austin FC. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me tonight from the Blazing Musket, back-to-back weeks, it's Sam Minton. Sam, how are you? I'm doing good, Greg. You know, I just was playing a game of uh, FIFA before we uh, hopped on to record the podcast. And I was up 2-1. And, you know, the goalkeeper was out, but I ended up just going to the corner and holding down L2. And I ended up winning the game. It, it, it's a crazy concept. I'm doing good, Greg. Always happy to uh, be on the pod and I'll talk with you. You know what else I think helped you preserve that 2-1 win? I guarantee you, you didn't have Christian McCoon in the game. Uh, you are correct. Well, what a coincidence. Whoa. Or is it? <laughs> well, well, we'll rant a little bit about that. I, I will also say we're recording this Sunday night. We're recording this about 24 hours after the end of this game. This would be a much angrier podcast uh, if I didn't have a good night's sleep and a full day of other events. Uh, and uh, pros and cons that we're, we're not getting, you know, it's a pro that we're not getting a very angry podcast, but it's a con because I'm reading my notes and I'm reliving all of this. Um, really, this one really got away from the team, and, and it's a real, real shame that they were not able to hold on to this lead, but we'll, we'll vent about this in a minute. Before we get to all the negative stuff, let's get to the good stuff, and let's tell you about our presenting sponsor, Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more, including Major League Soccer. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Sam. Let's get to this. Let's break this one down. A 2-2 draw with Austin FC. Uh, a very, very disappointing result for the Revs. They were looking to make it back-to-back home wins uh, and, and really take six points after a disappointing uh, loss in Montreal. What's your key takeaway from last night's match against Austin? Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to the Rebellion as well, too, because I believe key takeaways are sponsored by them. Uh, shout-out to the Rebellion. Uh, had a nice TIFO last night. Uh, uh, shout-out to the supporters groups. Uh, but my key takeaway is that I know there's a lot of talk about this uh, Carlos Heel guy. But Nacho Heel isn't so bad himself. Like, you know, really thought that uh, Nacho had a really good performance. Uh, wasn't just impressed with overall his ability on the ball. Impressive speed. Uh, also, too, just being able to kind of track back and, you know, cause turnovers uh, defensively. So I've been really impressed with him these last two games. He's really been a surprise. He was able to get that assist 
on uh, Thomas Chancolet's second goal. So really impressive there. And it's going to be really interesting to see just what happens with the starting 11 moving forward. Obviously, you know, things are up in the air when it comes to the head coaching situation. Uh, but Richie Williams kind of has a selection headache, whether it be in the midfield with the likes of Matt Polster, Noel Buck, Mark Anthony Kay, Ian Harks. But now in this new 4-3-3 formation, it, it seems perfect for someone like Nacho Heel to flourish, have uh, Tomo Chocolate on the opposite side. Uh, but I've been really impressed with Nacho Heel and just finally being able to see him get that, you know, assist and get on to the stat sheet, you know, think it's a well-deserved shout out for his uh, great performances in the last two matches. Yeah, an 8.0 rating on Footmaw, breaking that down. He has the assist uh, on uh, the Thomas Chocolate goal, uh, but 78% pass accuracy, three chances created. He only had 41 touches uh, in 71 minutes, uh, but he did have three tackles. He was three for four on tackles, six for 10 on ground duels, uh, five recoveries, um, and in the system where the revs are pressing, where they're looking to um, get turnovers and counter and run fast, Nacho seemed to blend in very, very well. And I think one thing we find with the revs when their offense seems to stall, it's when there's either too little Carlos or there's too much Carlos. And what I mean by that is when Carlos is out of the game, the team is is really struggling to create chances and really struggling um, to create anything offensively. But then there's also games where Carlos has to have the ball and he has to do everything himself, and it's not putting him in the best positions possible. So the Revs have added a couple of people, and Nacho Heel, who you mentioned, uh, and Ian Harks, too. I, I want to give Ian Harks a big shout-out, too, and why don't I run through his night really, really quickly. Uh, 92% pass accuracy, 35 uh, for 38, 49 touches in about 86 minutes, I think it was. Um, was not dispossessed, uh, six recoveries, four for five on ground duels. And by the way, I believe uh, Nacho Heel was not dispossessed in this game. Uh, yes, zero dispossessions, according to Foot Mob. So Nacho Heel, Ian Harks had very, very good nights. And I think both of those guys have taken a little bit of the pressure off of uh, carrying the ball forward, making connections, and, and allowing Carlos Hill to be in more dangerous position. So, um, yeah, I, I think both those guys uh, really, really have shined since they've been here. But Nacho Hill especially um, added a bit of a counterattacking element uh, as well, and, and it paid off with that assist. So uh, very good shout. Uh, big fan of uh, Nacho Hill after last night's performance. Yeah, and, you know, you know, just speaking of Carlos, you know, I thought, again, he had another good performance. But, you know, I, I did notice there were some times where – it just seemed like he was trying to, you know, like you mentioned, do it all by himself and whether it just kind of be taking more shots. And obviously it's something he talked about. He is hoping to do that and potentially that will open up more space for passes. But it just seemed like there were some times where he could have laid it off. But albeit it, it was another great performance for him. He, he was putting on a show. Uh, but hopefully he can find that perfect balance of wanting to be able to take that shot, but also being able to set guys up for assists. All right, let's get to Mikey takeaway. And I think we got to just talk about the end of that game and Christian McCoon. And, you know, we all make mistakes. We all make blunders. Um, I, I don't know what he was thinking. If this was someone like Carlos Hill or a forward um, who's taken a shot from midfield, they've probably done that. They've probably practiced that. I get it. Christian McCoon is a defensive midfielder slash center back slash left back. Um, going for glory in that situation is just a dumb play all the way around. And I think it's extremely infuriating the fact that Richie Williams has put on a lineup. He's made some subs to essentially park the bus and preserve a lead. And McCoon booting the ball from midfield. I assume everyone has seen it. I assume I don't need to detail this this play and, and make people relive it. But 
Makun is, is at midfield. He boots it long. Ball's nowhere close to going over the goalkeeper. Uh, the ball lands outside of the six-yard box. It doesn't even make it into the six-yard box. Uh, so he did not put enough juice on it to, to land six yards within the goal um, when he could have just dribbled it down. He had all the space in front of him. If he dribbles it down, this isn't even a, a panic move or anything like that where someone's on him, someone he might lose the ball, he's just trying to boot it down and, and clear the zone. He had another 15 to 30 seconds of running straight into the corner, parking the ball right there at the corner. If it's tipped out for a corner kick, he can kill another 30 seconds. And if memory serves me correct, they were already over three minutes in stoppage time. So all he really needed to do was just carry that ball down, park it, and wait for the whistle to come. And the revs, we're talking about the revs holding on to three points, um, which really would have been huge for, if we want to look at the MLS standings, we can do that. But just a really, really stupid play and a really stupid way to lose two points. And um, I don't really know what he was thinking, but he essentially gave Austin one more possession and that one possession cost him two points. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned kind of the effect on the standings. It was a night where Cincinnati lost and you could have, you know, made up points there. And obviously it, it was just a humongous mistake. And I know we'll probably get into listener questions, but there was some people kind of questioning Richie Williams for even, you know, bringing on someone like McCoon. And I guess my, my point of view would be is that you would expect Christian McCoon to make the right play. I mean, he's a professional soccer player. I won't lie. I was in the press box cheering for a trip uh, because it would have been sick. Uh, but that is not why that that is exactly why I'm not a professional soccer player. Uh, you know, you have to make the smart play, go into the corner, wait, waste time. And, you know, obviously it's a big mistake and they end up coming down and maybe you're able to defend. But as soon as kind of that shot went up and you saw Austin storming down, it, it just seemed almost inevitable. And to have Alex Ring almost on the half volley, be able to get it, get it past Earl Edwards. It, it, it's just absolutely wild. And. It seemed almost 2022-esque, you know. Uh, it seemed like the Revs always were finding ways to lose games or, or you know, have wins turn into draws. And and that's exactly what it was. And it'll be interesting to see how the team responds. Uh, but definitely think uh, someone like Christian McCoon is probably going to be low on the depth chart, especially with someone like Omar Gonzalez playing well. Uh, but definitely a humongous uh, mistake by him. And, I, I think McCoon probably deserves a lot more blame. I know people might be mad at Rich Williams, but I, th- I think Rich Williams had the minimal faith that he would make the right decision uh, in that moment. Yeah, and you can't really blame managers for player mistakes, but I do think we need to talk about Richie Williams' substitutions. And we, we did have a question about this from Peter on Discord. What do you think of Richie's substitutions in game management, better or worse than Bruce? I, I think it's worth prefacing this by saying there was a midweek game, so you're probably going to have some tired legs. You you don't have your ideal lineup. You, you are missing some players. So I think it's fair to preface that. But a little confusing all the way around. You had Bobby Wood come in for Rioni. Fine. That's been a normal sub. I, I have no issue with that one. Noel Buck comes in in the 75th minute for Nacho Hill. So we're moving, not, we're, we're moving Noel back to right wing. I don't love that. I really, I, I re, I, I'm not sure that's his position. I know he can play there. I don't think that's his best position. Um, and... Maybe they needed Nacho off at 70 minutes, but we, we can talk about the other options in a second. But I was not in love with that. I thought you could have put Esmir out there. I thought you could have put Damian Rivera out there. Um, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll go. But Noel Buck, I thought, really want him in the central midfield. It's even more confusing that you bring in Christian McCoon for Ian Harks and you put him in the midfield. So you could have Noel Buck in the midfield 
and keep Christian McCoon off the field altogether, in my opinion. You could put Esmir on the wing, where I, I think he's better than Noel Buck, and you could put Noel Buck in the central midfield, where he's better than McCoon. Uh, and then you put in, bring in Dewan Jones for Chancolet instead of Imbotang, Damien Rivera, and you basically have him be a left wing. That's confusing to me because you could have brought him in. If you're bringing in Dewan Jones, if he's healthy enough to play, whatever that is, 10 minutes, couldn't you take out Ben Sweat? Couldn't you put in your first team left back and someone who I think is a better defender than Ben Sweat? Uh, and then they bring in Nacho Heel. Uh, they take off, or sorry, they, they bring off Carlos Heel for Tommy McNamara. I don't hate that one. I think a lot of people will, there's an obvious downgrade there, but it's a defensive move. You want to take off Carlos Hill. You, you know, he's, he's played a ton. I'm fine with that move. So we're two for five on subs here, in my opinion, with Richie Williams. And the Dewan Jones one, okay, I kind of get it. Maybe you just want him on the wing to stretch the field, you know, get, have a, a counter threat there uh, up on the wing. I, I can understand that one. But moving Noel Buck to wing and bringing Christian McCoon in defensive midfield not in love with either of those moves whatsoever. So I, I do think he deserves a little bit of criticism. I think he went a little too conservative here. Um, and, and should, you know, 86th minute, I, I guess it's fair to try to park the bus then. And there were a handful of chances from Austin, even before these subs, um, you know, there, there was a gap here in 57th minute. Uh, there was a free kick. Uh, Mark Anthony K fouls someone right outside the box leads to an Earl Edwards shot, uh, save tipping it over the bar. Um, there was a 65th minute across through the box. Omar Gonzalez kind of misses the cross. Austin doesn't get it cleanly. It goes out for a goal kick. Uh, two minutes later, there's another cross that goes over uh, um, Dave Romney's head. The volley is kind of scuffed and goes out for a goal kick, but either of those connect. That's a goal. Uh, 69th minute, uh, Austin hits the post. So they nice. were pressuring. So I, I understand. Yeah, it was a nice shot. Nice rocket off the post. I understand why Richie Williams went to park the bus. I just think he could have parked the bus a lot better. So I do think he does deserve some credit uh, in this game. And I, I think that mistake by McCoon, um, you can't see that coming. I don't think you can put that specific play on a manager. But I, I think of the games we've seen so far from Richie Williams, um, game management-wise, this was his worst. Yeah, you know, you, you definitely say a lot that I agree with. I, I will say when it comes, you know, Thomas Chancolet, Nacho Heel, uh, speaking with Richie Williams after the match, it seemed like they're kind of still managing their minutes. They're still trying to find their fitness. Uh, so I see making those cha- having to make those changes there, and you're also without Matt Polster um, as his wife was in labor. Um, but but I, I do agree with you in terms of I would much rather have seen someone like Esmir Bartarovich, Damian Rivera, maybe even Justin Renick's out on the wing, especially Renick's. He's just kind of someone who brings that work great. He's, he's going to work hard, and yeah, I think he might be able to offer a little bit more defensively. Um, but I think it's clear that Noel Buck is better suited to the midfield. So I would have much rather seen Noel in the midfield instead of someone like Christian McCoon. I mean, maybe you want to get him minutes, but I'm assuming he's going to get plenty of minutes or, you know, plenty of fitness with uh, his national team, Venezuela. Uh, and when it comes to DeWan Jones, I get being making sure he gets on the field, get those minutes, build fitness. But I would have much rather seen him come on for someone like Ben Swept. So. I definitely do think there are some mitigating circumstances, but there there is some you know reason to uh, criticize Richie Williams for his substitutions. Uh, I think overall he's done a, a decent job taking over for Bruce. It's a tough situation, and if God forbid he is taking over for Bruce for the rest of the season, I wouldn't be too concerned. Uh, but he did almost seem to kind of fall into that trap of. 
Bruce kind of waiting too long to make subs. It seemed like that might have rubbed off on Richie too. And just those poor subs, especially McCoon, I don't see why you need to force him onto the field. I, I, I get making sure that someone like DeWan Jones is, but I don't think you need to get Christian McCoon in this game. Uh, so it's, it's a rough move, but again, I don't really think you can blame him for the mistake that McCoon ended up making. That was a horrible, horrible mistake. Um, yeah, we there's not a whole lot you can say about it. Um, dribble to the corner, run it out. I saw yesterday, because we have college football starting up, we have the, uh, it was like Virginia State versus Norfolk State. Did you see this, Sam? And it was uh, the not. classic, oh man, you need, first off, you need to watch more FCS college football. I, I, I just got to say that. Okay. But I'm sure all of our listeners were watching this game live. But it was the classic, um, one team has the ball, they're up three points, they have the ball at their own two-yard line, and there's five seconds left, so... They decide, of course, let's just run around and take the safety and take uh, five uh, seconds off the clock to kill the game, right? Now, that, that situation has never gone wrong, right, Sam? Never gone wrong. So, always works. It always works. Every single time. This, this isn't a thing that constantly happens uh, <laughs> that never pops up, right? So uh, always works. The quarterback in this game decides, instead of taking a safety, he just decides to run out of the end zone uh, and sprint um, out of bounds. And of course, there's one second left. So he, he runs out of bounds to the five yard line. <laughs> Great now, management. Now, so there's one second left. So they, they allow Norfolk State to kick the game tying field goal. Um, they botch the field goal, of course. Ah. Uh, so it ends up ends up working for them. Uh, but as Christian McCoon is booting this one long, all I can think about is uh, Virginia State running that ball out of the end zone and leaving one second on the clock, um, allowing their opponents to tie the game. There's really no no excuse for what McCune did, and um, I don't know. It, it's a very disappointing way to end this game. And as I say, they would have taken six points uh, in the last two home games. They've been really, really solid at home all year. They are playing a team that is having a terrible season. Um, they are they came into this game without uh, Zardes, uh, and they are three eight and two on the road. So this is a game that really they should have been favored in. They should have dominated and. You know, we're, we're blaming Christian McCoon. This was not a game where they outplayed Austin at all either. So it's tough that they, they weren't able to hold on to this result. Looking at the standings, by the way, real quick, the Philadelphia Union game is still going on right now. As we're recording this, they are tied 1-1 with New York Red Bulls. But Cincinnati is 10 points clear. New, New England does have a game in hand. Uh, Orlando is tied with New England in terms of points, but New England has a game in hand on them. And then Columbus is two points down. Philadelphia is three points down, and they are level with the Revs in games. Um Atlanta United is at 42 points. They have two more games than the Revs, so I'm not too worried about them. But the Revs, if they hit a rush patch, you know, second through fifth is going to be a battle throughout the, the run stretch. So th this is a game that this is one of the dumbest ways I've seen them lose points in a long time. And I, I think this is a game we're going to look back on and say, you know, if you dribble this to the corner, instead of being a four seed, we might be a two seed. That, that honestly might be the case. And, of course, the big thing will be, imagine if this is what causes the revolution to play Inter-Miami and play Messi. And I'm assuming, you know, I love the New England Revolution, but uh, Lionel Messi is a pretty good soccer player, and I think he can beat any team on any given day. So if it comes to that, you know, getting possibly knocked out in the first round or whatever it may be, and you have to face Inter-Miami, that would be really rough, especially considering, you know, if, if you get the win, you might not have to do that. So... It's always easy to look back, hindsight 2020, but if that does end up happening or, it, you know, the revolution season kind of starts to go in a spiral, 
you kind of pinpoint that moment as the moment uh, disaster struck. I'll do you one better. Next year, CONCACAF Champions League is expanding, Mm -hmm. and there's more bids up for grabs, and both teams, uh, the winner of both conferences will get a spot. Um, Philadelphia has already clinched a spot due to their League's Cup uh, title. Uh, Whoever wins MLS Cup uh, will will get a spot. But there's two spots, at least two spots, uh, up for grabs uh, based on standings, based on records, and then... You know, if there's overlap, if Cincinnati wins MLS Cup, that adds an extra spot for whoever has the most points. So it sounds weird, you know, really stressing about second place in the Eastern Conference. But if you look at the Western Conference right now, St. Louis, 27 games, 47 points. The Revs are at 26 game with 47 points. They are ahead of the Western Conference leader right now. So, you know, finishing second place in the Eastern Conference more than likely is going to get you a Champions League bid. And there's a good chance that third place in the Eastern Conference might get you a Champions League bid. So this could cost them a Champions League bid. It, it honestly could if the Revs are able to maintain their form. But Orlando or Columbus or Philadelphia finds a way to get ahead of them by one or two points. It honestly might keep them out of the Champions League. So every point is really, really crucial for the Revs right now. And very stupid way to lose two points. So, Sam, anything you want to add before we uh, move on to... I just don't know if people uh, realize that we think it was a really uh, stupid decision from Christian McCoon, but I, ho- I hope they understand that we th- we think that. It was really dumb. Yeah. For, shout out, shout out um, Virginia State. Um, before we move on to listener questions, we want to take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Glasso Kits. Their mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have United States men's national team merch. They have Revs merch. They have merch from your favorite European club like Chelsea. Sam, do they have Nottingham Forest merch? I, I think they do. No, they don't. No, they don't. Did you not learn from last week, Sam? Oh, my. Hey, hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. Do, do they have uh, vintage English kits? They absolutely do. Oh, I wonder if yeah, no Buck, I wonder if no buck is uh, using code REVS RECAP. Well, he should because he'll save 15% off of his order of all the English kits that he wants if he uses promo code REVS RECAP. So don't be like Noel Buck. Go to GlassoKits.com today for their full selection and use promo code REVS RECAP to save 15% off your order. That is promo code REVS RECAP at GlassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. Before we get to listener questions, let's briefly, we talked about Noel Buck. Let's get it over with. Noel Buck has been called into the English U19 national camp. Um, asked about the interest from the United States. I don't have the quote in front of me. I don't know if you have it, Sam. Oh, I, I can get these quotes for you. Don't worry, because I want to give a shout out to uh, Seth McCumber. Always, man, man kills it the best. Um, so he, he asked Noel, uh, basically, if he, he think he should have gotten more chances within the U.S. system. And he said, I feel like they haven't really given me the time of day, to be completely honest. And, you know, when I get called to an England camp, you know, it's an honor for me. You know, wearing this shirt, uh, that wonderful English jersey he was talking about, isn't a symbol of, like, screw the U.S. because it's not. They just haven't given me the time of day, and I want to have a good time and really learn something there. And I also asked him, too, if he kind of felt more support or kind of, you know, interest in kind of his international career. And he said, I think besides just talking a bit with Greg, the U.S. haven't really talked to me a whole lot. You know, there's been some talks about U19s a year ago, but other than that, not a whole lot. England have really shown some interest, and I'm glad to take it. Uh, so it's definitely some comments, you know, as we're standing there in the locker room, your, your eyebrows kind of raise, and you go like, oh, boy, uh, that that is uh, probably going to make some waves uh, out there on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. And there was the hubbub earlier this summer where he 
wasn't called in and i think a lot i believe it was the u20 world cup yep. uh, and i believe there was uh, some conversations happening it was very vague it was very confusing and i think the theory I believe he talked about this a little bit that, you know, U.S. camps have been happening and he hasn't been a part of them and they have their guys and they have their their squad. And it seems like he is just coming in a little too late. And um, it seems like he he knows he's not wanted by the U.S. or it seems he feels that way. Uh, whereas England, it seems like the interest has been coming from them for a while. And I, I believe Taylor Twelman reported earlier this summer he would have been called into an earlier camp um, if uh, he wasn't injured. Because uh, he was in, he was dealing with an injury for about a month earlier this summer, so it seems like the interest is coming from England pretty strongly, uh, and it's not there from the U.S. And I I think he's doing the right thing. I know some articles are really misrepresenting his quotes and are really trying to slam him, uh, but I, I truth be told, I, I don't think he's doing anything wrong. I think he's doing the right thing. Why would you hold out to represent a country that's not very interested in you and and doesn't have you in their setup? Why not go try out for England? And I think honestly. If you're in with the English youth camps and youth squads, I think you're going to get more interest from English teams if you are looking to eventually make the move over to England. So I think this is absolutely the right decision for him, and I'm confused why anyone is criticizing for it. Yeah, and I think, too, it's, you know you mentioned the interest from English teams. He's already kind of been rumored to have interest from English squads and you know, I think this will only grow. He he had that almost that opportunity to train with Tottenham, but it kind of broke down. But also, too, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Tommy Quinlan. He did ask him, you know, if he felt disrespected by the U.S. not getting, uh, you know, the call up and maybe not being involved. And Noel said, I- I'm not going to answer that. Um, so I do think it's interesting. This kind of comes off uh, a call up, and we see Benjamin Kermansky get, uh, you know, make. Get get the call up for uh, the U.S. men's national team. I, I think Benjamin Kermansky is a good player. Um, there will be the easy parallels of saying it's because of Messi, but I, I think that would be discounting his ability. Uh, but it is interesting that Noel Buck, I, I, I would say they're comparable players, and you don't see someone like Noel Buck uh, getting the call up. So it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, with English U19s. You got you know someone, you got Jude Bellingham's brother, Joe Bellingham there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he is able to kind of get involved with that team, how much minutes he plays in general, and just his overall involvement. It seems like uh, the understanding, he hasn't really had a lot of conversations, if any, with English uh, U19 coach, but it seems like they're probably going to have in the midfield as a 6 or an 8. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how he does and kind of an opportunity to really make a name for himself on, on the international stage. I mean, it might be U19s, but especially playing for someone like the three lions, just that overall system is, you know, has a lot of history. So a great opportunity for him. And I really don't think you can blame him for, you know, as much as it would be great to uh, see him play for the United States. And I think there's obviously still a chance you have to do what's best for your career. And I think right now going to the English U19s is the best for his career. And I believe it doesn't cap time. So if it doesn't work out with England, he can still the door is open for the United States. It's open also for Wales. I believe he has eligibility for Wales too. Um, and long term, you know, between the United States, the UK, and Wales, uh, I, I think that is the easiest path uh, to uh, you know minutes on their senior team. But I think it's great for him at the very least, exposure wise, to go over and try out for England and, and see how he does. So no complaints. I I, I think a lot of uh, United States fans are 
upset about these comments or whatever, but I, I have no idea why. So I also give a shout out to Noel Buck. The man eats beans on toast, so that's pretty English to me. Can you give you tweeted this? Give context for what you mean by this. Oh, he like he just you know, because he kind of talked about, you know, kind of like his English heritage and like people kind of like think he's just like a full blooded American and it's like he was just like I eat beans on toast. Like who eats beans on toast? And so yeah, that, that does basically it. He volunteered the information that he eats beans on toast, which I do think that you're pretty British. I mean, you might as well get a British passport if you didn't have one already, if you eat beans on toast. That is fair. He's more British than Matt Turner is Lithuanian. I'll say that. Boom. I, I, I would have to agree to you. We'll agree. I will say... <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, okay, I'll make the joke. I will say, I think the reason why people think he's a fake Brit is because you know, he has pretty nice teeth. You know what I mean? Nah, His smile is a little more crooked. I think we'd be like, oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, Rebs UK. You can't, you can't allow that. I know. I, my, my, my initial thought was uh, Rebs UK is definitely going to be uh, tweeting at me. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. Had to do it. Had to do it. Your food's awful, Mike. I'm sorry. I, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I got you, Greg. You guys are stealing Noel Buck. I'm allowed to make that joke. Yeah. There, let's, oh. let's get to listener questions. Let's get to listener questions. Enough, enough slandering the British. You know never what he enough, he never should... enough slandering the British. <laughs> Noel Buck should show up to the next game in a red coat. Ah. Think about that. Think about that. I don't know if they have any at glassokids.com, but Ooh. if they do, promo code refs your cap. Listener questions. We got a lot about McCoon. We'll run through this real Whoa. quick because I think people know our thoughts about McCoon. Uh, McCollin says, McCoon got the call up to the Venezuelan national team. Can we just tell them to keep him for the rest of the season? I actually made the joke uh, to you. Uh, Hartford Athletic... Uh, COVID is running through their locker room right now, and they went down to Tampa Bay. Only lost two to one, but they had a 14-man squad, I think it was. They signed a goalkeeper pretty much off the street to play. Uh, and I said, the refs probably offered Tampa Bay Christian McCoon, and they said, no thanks, we'll just sign this guy from UMass Lowell. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, yeah, if, if Venezuela can keep him, I, I'm fine with it. Uh, Josh Goulet, do we stop playing McCoon, or am I just furious about how he tried to chip the keeper instead of holding the ball? Both. Uh, Daniel says, is this the end of Bakun? Completely inexcusable not to go to the corner in that situation. Uh, and then Chancolay season says, should we cut McCoon? Cutting McCoon at this point in the season would not give us any salary cap relief. It would only open up a roster spot. So I don't think we're cutting him just based on there's really no benefit to doing that. It, it's better just to have a body. But I don't think there's really much more of a situation to play him in. I didn't think before this weekend there was much of a reason to play Christian McCoon. I think he's a below average to bad center back i think he's a below average to bad left back i think he's a below average to bad defensive midfielder and i don't really see many scenarios in which he can play and certainly this game doesn't make me feel any better um sam do you think we've seen the end of christian mccoon in a revs jersey i don't know if i'm ready to go there yet but i definitely think it i, I don't know when you'll get him back on the field uh i do want to give a shout out to the blazing muscatone uh, joss and i for reminding us uh, that christian mccoon cost 400 thousand dollars worth of games so uh money well spent uh shout out to the revs for that purchase uh but yeah i mean if he wants to stay with the venezuela national team i think that would be pretty nice so if, if, he, if they want him I, I, I say keep him but uh yeah i think revs fans might have to put up uh for christian mccoon for maybe a little bit longer uh they definitely need some outside back depth uh center back they're all good and i don't think christian mccoon's a great midfielder so uh you know could be going soon but might have to be a little bit more patient um, Chris, Valu, it's interesting you bring up that, that trade too. You know that 2022 summer window 
gets worse and as more time goes on. Just a, a horrible, horrible window for, for the revs there. Uh, Christopher Lucas, I bet you don't get any questions about Bakun. Did you like the Bakun for Hark sub at the time it was made before Chipgate? I've already said my piece on this, Sam. I, I think it was a bad sub. Any, any Anything to add to Chris's comment here? Yeah, I, I, I would have probably had someone like Noel Buck, like you mentioned. I don't get why you would move Christian Bakun in the midfield. Hasn't performed well there. Uh Think right now he's either a left back or center back, so don't know why you had him in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Move Noel Buck to the center, and that game doesn't happen. He dribbles that ball all the way to London. Yep. Uh, Mike Kennedy, is McCoon the new Omar? Great question. I think I'm ready to demote Christian McCoon to Omar Gonzalez and promote Omar Gonzalez to Andrew Farrell, because Omar Gonzalez has played pretty solidly. Um, still a few mistakes here and there, uh, but his 2023 seems like he's turned a corner and he's done very well. Yes, you know, I think I can give that promotion of, uh, you know, the Omar spot being replaced by Christian McCoon. I'm okay with that. I do think there's a possible new running, a possible promotion coming. Obviously a rough start in terms of uh, last night's game, but I think Tommy McNamara could be the new Scott Caldwell. Uh, Again, rough start, uh, but I would love to see more of those subs. Tommy Mac uh, possibly becoming... The Human Victory Cigar 2.0. Uh, so keep an eye there. But yes, I think Christian McCoon is, at least for 2023, uh, the new Omar. You're kind of jumping ahead to another question because Teal Forever says, what role does a healthy Tommy Mack play? You're saying kind of a 5-10 to ten minute guy in a defensive role. I honestly don't hate that. I don't know what other role he can play because I think he's pretty much been replaced. I think Ian Harks does everything a little bit better than Tommy Mack. Tommy Mack, we haven't seen much of him, but... You know, he's coming off of an Achilles injury. Um, I, I don't see him making many spot starts between uh, all of the central midfielders that the team does have currently. So I, I kind of agree with that. I think a healthy Tommy Mack is a 10 to 15 minute guy that can come in and see off a game. Or, you know, it, he also can play offensively and, and he does have a, a decent long shot. So maybe he comes in and replaces Ian Harks in the 75th to 80th minute. But I don't see him having much of an extended role with the way the team is currently set up. Yeah, they're just absolutely stacked in the midfield. And it, it would take a calamity for him to kind of get into the starting 11. I think overall he's better suited to a bench role. I think it's disappointing and you know, especially of all he went through uh, with that injury to now kind of just be in that like five to 10 minute role. Uh, but I do think this bench role, you know, however many, many minutes it is, is, is the best for him in his career. And it'll be really interesting to see just the decisions that the New England makes in the off season. Cause with all this midfield depth, you know, do you really need someone like Tommy Mack on the roster? It'd be really sad to see him leave as he's kind of been, you know, the glue that holds things together in the midfield, but it, I think that question will come up uh, once the regular season is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a question about the play and stoppage time where Christian McCoon tried scoring from midfield. I don't know if we Whoa. mentioned it yet. I think that was a really bad play. I, I, think I would was have a really to agree. Play. I would have to agree. Really bad play. I, I'm going to have to remember, try and remember it because it, it was really, you know, non-impactful play. Well, let, let's. We got a question from Macho here. He's got another angle on it. Can you possibly find some way to justify the refs adding a minute and thirty seconds to stoppage time? I can't. Subs are thirty seconds each. We made one sub, so even when McCoon kicked the ball at ninety-three forty-five, that is fifteen seconds over. Then they scored even later than that. Here's my defense of the referees. Although I will say, when you when he when McCoon kicks the ball, you could make the argument that that should have been it. He's clearing the zone. He's kicking it to the other side uh, of the field. The ref should be blowing the whistle. I, I, I'm fine with that. But they did make a sub in stoppage time. I am of the opinion of more soccer is always better. Uh, I'm always of the opinion of letting a team 
get one more chance if they have the ball. I hate when teams have the ball like in the attacking third or around midfield and they're carrying it up and then the whistle is blown. So, and I think this is what's also making me rip my hair out. If McCoon is dribbling the ball down and it's 94-15 or 94-30 and he's holding the ball or, or just it crosses the 94-minute mark, there's no threat from Austin. But once you kick it to Austin, you're giving them a possession. So, uh, you know, you could make the argument the referee is wrong in continuing to play, but there was a sub in stoppage time. Carlos Hill didn't exactly run off the field. Um, I'm fine with him extending that game a little bit longer, especially when Austin regained possession before the 94-minute mark. Yeah, personally, uh, you know, the timing didn't really come into it for me. Definitely do believe, you know, there is that sub, and like you mentioned, Carlos wasn't, you know, itching to get off the field. Uh, but I do think it's a fair point that it, it's, I would much rather kind of, you know, get that one more chance, especially in this situation. Hindsight 2020 probably wouldn't want it. Uh, but I do think it does suck when you kind of have someone bring the ball, you know, up the field, possibly in the midfield, about to get into the final third, and then the whistle is blown. I, I think you kind of earned that, uh, you know, one last shot. And I think, you know, Christian McCoon, if he's dribbling, just kind of, you know, wasting time, they're probably going to blow a whistle. So it just, you know, makes the mistake even bigger. But personally, I wasn't too upset about uh how the refs you know handled stoppage time i know at the end of the match booze rained down i know there was kind of some confusion about whatever that was for the refs or just for the how the game ended and the players uh but i'm not gonna lie i was kind of stunned with you know the sheer volume of uh the booze but personally didn't really see using the res as a scapegoat when you easily could have dribbled it out and they would have blown the whistle and you still had to basically allow Austin to score that goal, not really defending them or, you know, being able to stop them. So I don't think you can really use the refs as a scapegoat in that situation. Or the refs as a scapegoat in that situation. By the way, Philadelphia up 3-1 right now, so they are one point behind the New England Revolution. So they are gaining two points on the Revolution. Thank you, Christian McCoon. I don't know if I mentioned that. Hey, Greg, Greg. Thank you, Sean Nealis, for uh, getting a red card. No. (laughs) Fair enough. I was going to say... I don't know if I mentioned it yet. The Christian McCoon play was terrible. I can't. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Steve McGrogan, always get the nacho. Why do we still have McCoon and poor management by Richie? We touched on all of those things. He says, where's Bruce? We'll get to that in a minute. Oh and can Vrioni get consistently clinical? Uh, let's talk about Vrioni a little bit because he's had a pretty solid season. And coming into this game, I think MLS Gone Wild had a stat that he's fourth in goals per 90 minutes or something like that, which is a crazy stat. Uh, I... I I really didn't see that one coming. Uh, and the other crazy stat is that he hasn't scored on the road yet. So it's been interesting, uh, a wild up and down season uh, for Vrioni up top. Uh, what do you think is the reason why he can't just be consistent uh, and keep bagging goals in the net? It seems like he is a very, very streaky player. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is kind of interesting to think about him not being able to score on the road. I know, especially overseas, it's a lot more compact, you know, sometimes... You can even take trains or buses compared to having to fly all over the place. So maybe, you know, that is playing a factor. But I think he does have that clinical finishing ability. You know, I remember talking to Dave Romney after the Red Bulls game, and he was kind of talking about on those kind of breakaway opportunities. You can get in your own head, and he even said, you know, himself quoting him verbatim, that it was a shitty angle for uh, Vrioni, and he was able to kind of, you know, curl it in. And I think it was a really impressive finish. So I think, obviously, you know, there's that travel aspect. But you do need someone like Rioni, a DP, to be able to perform night in and night out. I think he has done better 
I think his kind of defensive ability, which is, again, not what you want from a striker. You want him to be able to score goals. Uh, but just being able to press, uh, create turnovers is really impressive. I think he just needs to improve on that overall hold-up play. And also, too, being an aerial threat. You know, it was an uh, absolute blessing to see Thomas Shankala get a header off that Notre Hill cross. So if we could see more of that from him and Giacomo Veroni, that would be great. Um, but overall, yeah, I've been impressed uh, with uh, Veroni the last two games. And I think he does possess that clinical finishing ability. It's just kind of being more consistent, like you said about it. And it's worth noting, too, he has just MLS stats. He's six goals in 940 minutes played. That's .57 goals per 90 minutes. Uh, that's a very good rate. Uh, and, and I think I always go off of Taylor Tolman is at .60. Uh, for his career, Adam Buchs is .59. So the efficiency this season coming from Brioni, according to his Major League uh, soccer stats, have been pretty solid. And that doesn't even include League's Cup, uh, where he had his hat-trick. Again, I think he only scored in that one game in, in League's Cup, uh, but he scored a hat-trick. So numbers-wise, um, the volume is there. It just seems like it comes in bunches, which is very interesting. Uh, Randy LH says, by the way, how many more lackluster starts does Rione get until we declare him an official bust? Uh, and I, I think it's interesting. You go game by game. There's a lot of games. We're really frustrated with Rione. He touches, doesn't touch the ball in Atlanta in 22 minutes. He gets how many touches did he have in Montreal last week? We were talking about it, like nine touches. Or, yeah. Or he had a, a touch like every seven, eight minutes or something. Nine, something like that, yeah. Uh, a very frustrating player, uh, but a very streaky player. And the production is there. So he's going to get some more time. Um, I, I think we're going to go through the end of the season and then kind of figure out what to do with him. Um, Seamus Magoo, by the way, says, in what formation does Vriona succeed? I can see him possibly playing between two forwards next year. I think he means with, two, as a, with a second forward. Uh, this hasn't worked well so far. He looks far less dynamic than I expected. Uh, his employer isn't particularly dynamic either, so I expect he remains uh, with a DP next year. I think as a DP next year. Uh, which is true. He's going to be a designated player next year. So in, in what formations does he succeed? I, I think he definitely works with a two-striker formation. Uh, but even without Gustavo Bo, I think Chancolet worked pretty well with Frioni in this game, um, although he doesn't really strike me as a striker, as, as in a bow in a role. I think he's more of a winger. Uh, but I think you could, in theory, play him up top with Frioni and, and see how that works. So, uh, But either way, I, I, I do think Frioni is someone that works well in a two-forward system, uh, which... Adam Buxo worked well in a two-forward system as well with Gustavo Bo. Yeah, and I think definitely Grioni has more goals than Gustavo Bo. And I mean, I understand Gustavo Bo has dealt with all his injuries, but I do think, you know, he deserves to be applauded for that feat. But I, I would agree, too. He needs to be, you know, in a two-striker kind of situation. I think the 4-3-3 better suits him just because you have guys on either side of you. You have guys providing service, and it just seemed like, especially against Montreal, they're there was no service uh, provided to Rioni. But I think whether it be for this season, at least, uh, you have someone like Gustavo Bo or, you know, once Bobby Woods fully th fit, because I, I would think that if he was fully fit, he would be able to play alongside uh, Giacomo Rioni. Uh, playing those two together, I think, would be a big uh, kind of upgrade. And Richie Williams said it himself that Rioni's better suited. He performs better with a striker partner, so it just seems to make a lot more sense. But at least for now, the four three three seems to be the best formation to you know get something out of him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it is worth pointing out too. Expected goals wise, he has six goals uh, on four point seven expected goals. So his finishing ability is above average uh, according to that statistic. Uh, whether or not you put a lot of weight on that, it's up to you. But uh, 
let's get back to where's Bruce because that was the other part of Steve McGrogan's question. Uh, where is Bruce? Uh, and by the way, Roberta also says where is Bruce? Uh, also says where are the clocks that determine stoppage time? Uh, we talked about that a little bit. Let's get to where is Bruce? Uh, we don't know. We talked about this a little bit last week. I think it's going to be really frustrating if they come out and they don't give details on this investigation. But uh, interviews ended last week. We talked about this is a process that you know, lawyers get paid by the hour, so you can expect this to go on a long period of time. Um, no one is talking. I know people have been digging around and asking questions. Maybe you could shed on a little bit more on that, Sam, if you've heard from anyone. But it seems like no one is talking. And Richie Williams, I know, was asked about it at the press conference yesterday if he expects to coach this team through the end of the year. And he says he has no comment because it's an active investigation. So no one is talking. Anything. It's, it's a very frustrating um, question. But uh, yeah, any any different thoughts on where is Bruce, Sam, than uh, what we had last week? I think it's just more of the same. And hopefully we get a conclusion to this soon. Yeah, I definitely hope that there is a swift conclusion. But it is an outside law firm. Uh, they're the ones kind of conducting the investigation. They don't care about MLS match days. They don't care about getting an MLS vet, uh, you know, an MLS legend uh, back on the sidelines, possibly, or kind of saying that he violated these rules. They don't care about that they just care about uh you know reaching their conclusion uh and also to probably the money part i think is involved you know i reached out to them uh prosker and rose on multiple occasions uh have yet to hear back and like you said it's a scenario where nobody is talking uh we always joke in the press box uh, who's gonna drop the bruise bomb and we're all joking like it's not gonna be me uh you know it's just no one is talking and i don't know when they will talk I don't know if they will ever talk. And, you know, even if there is kind of a conclusion of the investigation, I think it wouldn't surprise me if it's simple as Bruce Arena did slash did not uh, violate these rules or Bruce Arena did or did not uh, make insensitive and inappropriate comments. So I can tell you that Bruce Arena is on planet Earth right now, and that is about it for specificity. Maybe the United States. I could be wrong there, too. I don't know. No one knows anything, and I really don't know when we will know anything because it's almost like the more it goes on, you're like, ah, oh, it has to reach, you know, it, it has to be coming soon. But then it just keeps going on, and it, it it seems like you're almost at the end. You're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but also it could be miles away. So very frustrating, especially, you know, trying to figure stuff out. I completely understand why fans would be upset and you just wish there was more transparency. Again, I want to give kudos to Tara Sullivan for her column and kind of, you know, calling some things out. And I don't imagine more mainstream, uh, you know, journalists, uh, you know, in the sports landscape will kind of get on this. And it's just a situation like I really can't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the Boston Globe and the athletic articles, they've had some details, but not a ton. So it's interesting. I'm going to throw out a theory. Oh, boy. I think this law firm still mad about Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. I think they're holding this up. That's my conspiracy. Oh, maybe there's like humongous. No, nah, they're I'm not even. No, nah, I'm, I'm not. No, no, no. You got to say it. Got to say it. I was going to say they're like big FC. It's not a good joke. Like they're big FC since he fans. Like it's not a, not a good joke. That's a terrible joke. Terrible joke. <laughs> we should end the pause right now. <laughs> Everyone tweet at Sam Minton right now and tell him his joke was terrible. Yes. Tweet at me because I don't use Twitter anymore. So I, that's cool. What was worse, Sam Minton's joke or Christian McCoon's play at the end of the Revs game? I'll let the fans decide. <laughs> you got to put out a poll now. You got to put out a poll. I will put. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a poll tomorrow. 
Vote on my poll, uh, Labor Day poll for on the Revolution Recaps X account. I think I'm going to get 8.5% votes. Yeah. Roberta has another question here, by the way. Why do we give up goals in the last 15 minutes? This is a little more serious. Uh, by my count, shout out the RevsComs who put out these stats. Um, they've conceded two game-winning goals in the last 15 minutes, and they've conceded three game-tying goals in the last 15 minutes. That's five goals that have had some pretty big consequences. For context, the Revs have drawn eight games, so in three of those games, they've given up a late goal, and they've also lost five games, and in two of those games, they've given up a late goal. So that's five out of their 26 games they've lost points um, from a 75th-minute goal or later. Why is this happening, Sam? It does seem like it's been an issue that isn't exactly new. I think this season and even previous seasons, the Revolution have kind of struggled, you know, putting games away. Uh, this season, we've even seen it in the fact that they've struggled starting games and kind of showing up late. And I'm just reminded of a quote that Tommy McNamara said in previous years where you just have to have that killer instinct. And it just seems like the Revs don't have that killer instinct at times and that they're just unable to see out games. They might take their foot off the gas pedal. And in a night like uh, the match against Austin, it ends up paying you. So you have to be able to have that killer instinct put games away, make the correct decisions, be on for 90 minutes. And it seems like it's been a constant issue, no matter who the head coach is, that the revolution can sometimes struggle playing a complete 90 minutes. And if you want to be a top team in the league, if you want to compete for an MLS Cup, you have to play for a complete 90 minutes. And on multiple occasions, the revolution have simply not done that. So I think it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly. Like I don't think it's a training thing. I don't think it's you know, having to drill it into the players, I think you can drill it into the players as much as you want, but if they're not, you know, performing like that on the field, there's not a lot you can do as a head coach. So I think you just really have to play that complete match, have that killer instinct to be able to put games away by scoring goals. And, you know, you're going to win those games and see them out. And if you don't, it can cost you. And Revolution fans have seen that time and time again. I'll also say, I think, if you look at, some of the injuries the team has had henry kessler is a big loss i think if you have henry kessler it's easier to see out wins um they've brought in mark anthony k who's been good not great uh but defensive midfield has been an issue i've talked about matt polster seems to be in a little bit of a decline right now and you know i, I think bringing in mark anthony k strengthens the defensive midfield so i i think they've defensively not had the bench to sure up a win and they've had some key injuries that have made them weaker defensively than they should be. So hopefully if we get Henry Kessler back and now that we have Mark Anthony Kay in and we have two very good defensive midfielders or, or at least competent, good uh, defensive midfielders. If you want to uh, be a little more negative in Polster and Mark Anthony Kay uh, and Tommy McNamara and the Scott Caldwell role, uh, may, maybe they will be able to see, uh, see out these games. But um, yesterday was just not great. So, uh, Porter on Discord says, "Who should the Revs target as a replacement for when Bruce Arena for Bruce Arena when he gets sacked?" Uh, we'll we'll amend that to if he gets sacked uh, because we don't know. No one's talking again. No one is talking. Um, I, I don't know who the Revs are going to go after. I will again remind everyone that the Revs have a large amount of money from their net transfer. <laughs> uh, they they have a lot of money right now that they they've uh, earned from transfers, so they are not poor. Uh, and there is no cap on uh, salaries for coaches. So if Bruce Arena is gone, I think they're going to give Richie Williams a shot if they like what they see throughout the remainder of this year. Uh, but if not, if they decide to move on from Richie Williams, um, they have 
the ability to go get whoever they want. Um, realistically, I, I mean, it's not out of the realm that they're going to do, I will say, an MLS lifer like Greg Vanny or Caleb Porter or Bob Bradley. Uh, but I, I think they could be ambitious and maybe pull someone. If Jim Curtin's contract was still uh, up, up for grabs, I'd say they could go get Jim Curtin. Uh, I don't think that's happening. I, I believe he signed a, a contract extension with Philadelphia. Uh, but um, they, they have some options, and they can – they can get whoever they want because uh, I think there are a lot of coaches that would happily coach in Major League Soccer for a large amount of money. Yeah, I definitely think you could see the revolution kind of try and make a splash. I don't know if you're going to get the likes of Jose Marino or whoever it may be coming over here, but especially someone like Bob Bradley, a big name in kind of the U.S. soccer landscape. That could be the case. Don't know if I would agree with that decision, but it could be um, a possibility. Uh, obviously, Gary Neville is not Gary Neville, Phil Neville, but hey, Gary Neville, if you want to come down with us, let's know, let us know. Um, Phil Neville has obviously kind of been around with his Miami days, hasn't really performed well. I believe he's doing video work for MLS season pass, but if the re uh, revolution and kind of the crafts want to go for that big name, he could be another option. Uh, but I honestly think, you know, you're going to see someone like Rich Williams get a possibility and I wouldn't be surprised either if you see whether it be Dave Vandenberg or even possibly Charlie Joseph. You know, these are guys who are kind of attracting the attention, especially Vandenberg, of, uh, you know, teams across the league as possible head coaching candidates. So you'd almost feel that the Revolution aren't doing due diligence to, you know, at least possibly give them an interview, give them a shot. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of maintain relevance. Obviously, bringing in Bruce was a big move. If you're able to continue that, bring a big name in U.S. soccer. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you got someone like Bob Bradley, especially possibly being in the mix. Uh, but I do think there's a possibility to go for a big name. But I think that definitely for the rest of this season, I think you're going to see Richie Williams. If Bruce doesn't come back, he's going to kind of see it out, kind of steward it uh, for the rest of the year. And then the off season is when things are kind of going to heat up. Yeah. Another name I'll throw out too. Colorado's currently in the basement. Uh, you know, is if Robin Frazier's around, I mean, he did a phenomenal job a couple of years ago. I think Colorado is a team that really is putting no resources in their team, and I think Robin Frazier is a much better coach than their record. So maybe someone like that. But yeah, they they have they have a lot of options, and I think if Richie Williams is up for the task, maybe he gets another year. Uh, but I'm not so sure about that one. But I'm sure Curtin Alfo uh, has someone in mind. Uh, that he can bring in and, and work with this organization very well. Uh, Mike D says, with all the rumored arguments between staff and Bruce, I wonder, does Nacho play as much if Bruce is coaching, or did he, does he go more to Tommy, Ima, Renix? By the way, I don't think Renix was available in this game. I'm not seeing him on the, the sheet, so I, I might have missed this until I'm looking at this right now. I don't think Renix was available yesterday, but I do think they definitely should have gone to Ima yesterday. Um, I, I'm not, I don't, yes, we, we talked about these subs being very bizarre. Um, maybe these are Richie's doing. But I don't think much changes. And I, I believe Richie Williams made comments to that effect. I, I think he was asked what has um, changed between him and Bruce. And I think he said something to the effect of we've played more zonal marking than man marking. But for the most part, it seems like the subs are pretty standard uh, and, and pretty much going along with what Bruce has done. Yesterday's game, I think, is really the first time I've turned my head and said, what exactly are we doing here, Richie? I think for the most part, it's what Bruce would have done. So I don't think there's much changes between the two coaching philosophies and the subs. Uh, but what's your take on that, Sam? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can really draw the correlation there. I think we've seen Bruce play Nacho in the past. I don't think he has anything against Nacho, and I don't think he was itching to get Tommy McNamara out on the field either. So... I would have to agree. I don't really think there is uh, anything there. I think even 
you know, if Bruce still was coaching right now, that he, he would probably, at the minimum, be getting minutes. I, I don't know if he'd be starting, but he would definitely be getting minutes. Uh, we got some more questions. Derek Terrell, does Gustavo Bo wear a Revs jersey ever again? We missed him tonight. What's your thought? It, it just seems like the most likely conclusion is that he does not. I mean, I think he will probably, you know, play games uh, this season. Uh, so maybe I answer the question poorly. But, you know, when you look at uh, going into the offseason, it, it seems whether it be a move to Argentina or just a move to a different club uh, would make more sense. It's really hard to see him coming back as a DP. I think that would not be a waste of a uh, DP slot, but you can much better use uh, that allocated spot. I don't think he's going to take the pay cut to become a TAM player. As much as that would be great, I don't get why you would really turn down that money. So I, I think Gustavo Bo, Bo moves on. I think it, you can definitely say that he's been successful here. You know, you're able to get the supporter shield, uh, but it just seems like it's time for him to move on, possibly get a little bit younger uh, at that DP spot. So he might wear the uniform again this season, but once that final game's played, once the final whistle's blown, uh, that could be it for Gustavo Bo in New England. Worth noting, Bo was said to be in Argentina. I think it was before last week's episode. Uh, Ed Rich Williams gave him uh, about a four-week timeline, about a week and a half ago. So we're about two to three weeks out on that estimated timeline. And Bo has returned to the United States. So uh, I think we do see him come back and play for the Revs in some capacity. I don't know if it's as a starter. I don't know if it's a 60-minute player. I don't know if it's a super sub. I, I think we do see him again um, and, and give it a run, and, and they try to build up his fitness for the playoffs. I, I think he's too valuable a player. Uh, where if, if he's healthy, he's a game-changer. So Teal Forever says, does Timothy Chamelet, uh continue to play forward if slash when Bo returns? Is he a forward, midfielder, or somewhere in between? Uh, and Dewan Season, by the way, says, uh, do you think Chamelet can play uh, play as a cent- central midfielder, quote unquote, in the four four two diamond when Bo returns. I think he absolutely can. Uh, he did drop back a little bit uh, and and play uh, back on that wing a little bit. Uh, Nacho Hill, if you look at a heat map, Nacho played a little bit more forward, whereas uh, Shankalai was uh, in the midfield. Uh, I I think he can certainly do both between forward winger, hybrid midfielder in that four four two. I think he can do all of those things from what I've seen so far. Yeah, I definitely think he can do those things, but I would say he's probably best suited uh, to playing out in the wing and just, you know, looking ahead, imagining, you know, a starting 11 that has both Dylan Barrero and Thomas Shankalai in the wing. That that will be really dangerous, but I've been really impressed with what I, I've seen from Tomas so far. Has great, you know, ability on the ball. Again, you know, is someone who's willing to do that kind of dirty work of defending and just... You know, he's really comfortable with the ball at his feet and is able to kind of make plays, create chances, bring some of that, you know, Dylan Barrero-style play, what the Revolution have been missing um, since Dylan Barrero's absence. Thomas Chancolet has been able to bring that. So, obviously, I think he has the ability, especially to play in the midfield kind of more centrally. I think he has that ability. Uh, but I would much rather see him kind of out on the wing, whether it be, you know, this season or kind of, you know, in the future moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Alfred says uh, Sean can dunk on him, but he insists on taking corners. Question mark. Uh, yeah, boy, what a nice uh, header off of that Nacho Heel uh, cross there. Uh, certainly has some aerial ability too, uh, which is sneaky aerial ability. Uh, small sample size, but I'm a really big fan of uh, what I'm seeing so far. Um, corners. I've seen a lot of people complain about Carlos Heel's corner uh, taking ability, which is interesting. And I got to say, I think set pieces is not a strength of theirs, uh, but uh, certainly doesn't hurt having another corner kick taker. Cause I think behind Carlos Heel, it's Gustavo Bo. And then after that, 
Ugh, I don't know. So I, I, I don't mind if he wants Esmir to. Baratarvich, I believe, are kind of the the guys after that. If he wants to take a corner from time to time, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, no, de- definitely agree there. And I think you know, touch upon the aerial ability. Definitely something the Revolution have been missing. So you'll you'll take it wherever you can get it from. So it was very nice to uh, see a header there from Chocolai on Saturday. Uh, John Pilkins is how about Nacho, huh? That was your key to- takeaway. We don't need to go uh, much further. Uh, great player, great player. Uh, big big Nacho fans over here. Hey, Greg. Uh, Gamble every day says what? Hey Greg, what? I got I got some kind of breaking news for you. So that can replace uh, me already talking about Nacho. Okay, go for it. Taylor Twelman has decided to uh, quote tweet. Uh, Noel Buck's midweek comments about getting a phone call from Greg Berhalter, and he said he is not a huge fan of how Noel come across here. So more love uh, from the United States uh, soccer landscape for Noel Buck. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, what do, what do you want? I mean, one team is showing interest in you and one team isn't. I, I don't know. I I guess if you want to say you don't like those comments where, you know, if, if Noel has to come back and play for the United States, you could say this is going to bite him. But I don't know. I, I don't know what you expect. One team is given him opportunity and one team isn't really that interested in you. So Taylor's comment also here says he should have been called in the U- U-20 World Cup. So he's kind of saying the quiet part out loud. Like, yeah, he should have been called in the U-20 World Cup. and He wasn't. I don't know. I, don't know. I disagree. Uh, Gamble Every Day says talk about DeWan being overrated and letting that ball roll out because he has zero skill. I think it's a little harsh. Uh, I, I think DeWan Jones has some skill. Uh, I, I don't think he is one of the best left backs in MLS. I think for a while we were talking about him being an elite MLS left back. I think those days might be a little gone. I, th- I feel like he's taken a step back from that 2020-2021 when he was getting votes for Defender of the Year. But um, I don't know if I'd call him exactly overrated uh, just yet. Uh, but uh, certainly, end of the game, uh, DeWan chases down a ball, uh, tries holding the ball in play, uh, and it slips out of bounds. So, uh, yeah, a bad play. I, I think it's just one of those things that... You know, he's trying to see out a game and just little things go against you. So I'm not going to hammer Dewan too much. I am going to hammer Christian McCoon, who had a play that was awful at the end of the game where he didn't just dribble the ball into the corner. I think that was absolutely terrible. I mean, personally, it might be a take. I think Dewan Jones is better than Christian McCoon. Uh, but yeah, you know, definitely kind of was a funny moment. But hey, the guy's rusty. You know, he, he's coming back. He's missed the last two matches. Let's give him a break. Um, but, you know, kind of looking at the trajectory of the Warren Jones career. He's starting to give the vibes of a player who's going to be a lifelong MLS there. I think there was obviously, you know, the rumors of a European move, but just as the years go by, it just seems less and less likely to happen. I think there will probably be some, you know, uh, Bundesliga teams, uh, teams out in Belgium probably sniffing around, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see Dewan, uh stay in MLS, but I, I wouldn't call him overrated. I still think he, you know, he's probably, you know, one of the better uh, outside backs in MLS. Uh, Porter says, "How would you rate the summer window for the Revs?" Giving a little bit more context, we actually did an article on the Blazing Musket, giving it a grade. Sam, you gave it a B plus. I gave it an A minus. Uh, have you changed your grades on that at all? Um, not really. I will partially say that's because I haven't thought about it. Um, but. Overall, you know, I, I think there has been some good changes. I was kind of wait. Actually, I have changed my grade because Thomas Chocolate has been pretty damn good. Um, so I will up it to the same grade you have, no coincidence at all, um, to an A minus because I think Thomas Chocolate is going to be a really important piece. So I, I will update it. I think they had a really good window, um, especially 
considering you know the guys that they were able to bring in, especially Mark Anthony K. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Uh, forgive me. Uh, but when it comes to starting eleven, I think Mark Anthony K might eke out uh, Matt Polster uh, for a starting spot. Obviously, all depends on formation and how you're going to roll it out. But I've been really impressed with Mark Anthony K. And also to the addition of Shankale, uh, I think it is a great one. I think it could play pay dividends in the future. So I'll update the the grade going from a B uh, all the way to the A-. Uh, I will also say, I think if you look at the summer window, you also have to give them credit for buying out Josie Altador. I said that in the article. You upgraded Latif Blessing from Mark Anthony K. That, even though you're you're bringing in a player that you're adding on a year uh, at a salary that's a little bit higher than Latif, it's it's getting rid of a player that wasn't doing much for you to getting someone who is useful. Uh, you are getting uh, Thomas Shankalai. You are getting Ian Harks, who both have been very, very good so far for the revolution and added a new element. I will say, this is a quote from the article from the Blazing Musket. I would give this window an A, but the lack of outside depth has bothered me all season, and it's disappointing the team was unable to fill this gap. That was published. What was this published? I believe it was published August 5th. I believe that was before the Brandon Bay injury. Maybe it wasn't, but the lack of outside depth has killed this team and it should have been addressed at least in the winter uh, and it wasn't in the summer. So they don't get an A. They're still missing uh, some outside back depth and we have been dealing with that uh, in the past few weeks. So Fluffy Kohog Boy uh, just gives a trash emoji. Fair. Uh, Ryan, what did you think of the midfield bicycle kick, Sam? It was amazing. That is pure football heritage. Very happy to uh, see Andrew Farrell with the bike kick. Uh, I know there's some good photos out there. Oh, Farrell with a bike kick. If you don't like a Farrell bike kick, uh, I just think soccer might not be the sport for you and the revolution might not be the club for you. So shout out to Andrew Farrell. Great bike kick. Happy to see him back in the squad. If you hate Andrew Farrell bicycle kicks, you hate America. Go to England with Noel Buck if you hate midfield bicycle kicks. And don't you dare bring up the fact that Andrew Farrell kicked the ball straight to an opponent. Is it soccer or is it football? Well, it depends on if you ask Noel Buck or if you ask me. It's soccer to me. I'm going to have to ask Noel Buck. Uh, Traeger says who has the coolest haircut of the team I used to think it was Spalding hands down but Shankale gives him a run for his money in my opinion who is the coolest haircut on the team Sam no nah, it's Giacomo Veroni I, I think if we're, we're looking you know at, at the rankings uh, of Giacomo Veroni uh, it, it's hot boy summer for Giacomo Veroni shout out to Giacomo Veroni he has the best haircut I still I like Spalding I like the fro I like the headband I like the flow going from Ryan Spaulding. That's our guy. Shout out Ryan Spaulding. You know who doesn't? You know who has the worst haircut of the team? Christian McCoon. That's a lie, though. He hasn't. He has a decent haircut. I'm just mad. Okay, that's fair. Sam, any other final thoughts before we depart here today? And tell people where they can find your work on social media. Yeah, you know, definitely make sure to uh, check us out over at the Blazing Musket. We're on Twitter at the Blazing Musket. Uh, you can f- find us on YouTube. We posted our conversation with Noel Buck and all those interesting uh, quotes uh, from the locker room. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram. Uh, lucky enough to have two uh, photographers out there. Shout out Spencer, who was shooting for us, as well as Dolan. Got some great photos. I finally have to post uh, tattoos on Instagram because I love uh, tattoo photos, and Spencer got some great ones. Uh, but, yeah, Greg, thank you so much for having me on. Obviously, uh, recording late uh, Sunday night. Messi is about to play. I don't know if you know this, Greg. Messi was on the Jumbotron of Gillette Stadium, which was quite interesting to see. He was joined by Thiago Amada and Hani Mutar, kind of talking about the 2024 MLS season. But Lionel Messi was on, uh, you know, the Gillette Stadium Jumbotron. I wonder what, uh, wonder why that was about. 
Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. I wonder mm. if they're selling tickets. I wonder. Are season are season tickets on sale? I, I believe that's exactly what it was advertising. Interesting. Mm. Very, very interesting. Hmm. Mm. You can find us online at Revolution Recap on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it these <laughs> days. You can also follow us on Instagram and on threads. We're still on threads. I'm still posting on threads. Be my friend on threads. We're on Blue Sky, uh, by the also... way. Blazing Musket on Blue Sky. Yeah. Weirdo. Who has a Blue Sky account? I have two of them, actually. All right, all right. Calm Big down. Get some feedback in the mic. I'm gonna get so many. I'm gonna get so many comments on X about your your mic because you just screamed into the mic and we got some auto feedback. Calm down. Calm down. What's worse, Sam's audio, Sam's joke, or Christian McCoon's not running that ball into the corner? You tell us on X or Threads, but definitely not Blue Sky. You can follow us on Instagram Threads facebook or on x at revolution recap also thank you to our presenting sponsor bet online go check out bet online and when you use promo believe b-l-e-a-v you get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit thank you to the blazing musket be sure to follow their coverage and also shout out to nate great coverage of hartford athletic and their very very difficult weekend in tampa bay um and by the way shout out for tampa bay scoring in stoppage time uh for saving those of us who had major major stakes on uh minus 310 money line uh tampa bay was minus 310 there was rumors that they were sending harford was sending a very limited squad down there some idiot put a lot of money on minus 310 uh before the line jumped all the way down to minus 2000 and thought he was a genius uh and it was 1-1 going into stoppage time and this person might have had a minor heart attack in those final minutes. So shout out to Tampa Bay for coming through in those final minutes. And shout out to John McLaughlin uh, shooting uh, that game for us uh, down there in Tampa, Ris- risking life and limb uh, with uh, COVID running rampant in a uh, Hartford Athletic squad, getting those photos for us. So shout out to you, John. Thank you to our friends of the Rebellion. Go check out the Rebellion on Twitter and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them. I believe there are still spots uh, for their foot golf tournament in October. I'd have to double check, but go to anyrebellion.org and you can probably find it out yourself. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Galasso Kits. Remember to use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. Go buy an England jersey before Noel Buck snaps them all up. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you are listening. Uh, and please, please, please rate and review us five stars. We haven't gotten a rating in a while. It'd really be nice if we got a rating this week. Please, please, please give us a rating uh, if you have not done so already. And if you've given us one on iTunes, give us one on Spotify. If you've given us one on Spotify, give us one on iTunes. Come on, share the love. Uh, we'll be back next week. Sam, who are we playing next week? We are playing, well, we are not playing anybody. Uh, the Revolution are playing Minnesota United. And I just want to take this opportunity. Quick apologies to Sean Donahue. Uh, I did swear, but I was quoting a player, and I didn't want to misrepresent their quote, so I'm sorry, Sean. Well, Sean will be back next week. I've I've got the time off because I get to recover from Christian McCoon's terrible, terrible play. Uh, I, I need to take a week off because I'm so angry at Christian McCoon. So Sean will be back covering that game against who are they playing. I don't even remember what you said. Minnesota United and Christian McCoon, more like Christian Badcoon. Am I right? Okay, thank thank you for listening. <laughs> I'm sorry about Sam. <laughs>